In late 2015, everyone's favourite Wookiee may have missed out on the most palpably absent hug in Star Wars history, but in the months prior, he had at least been the star of his very own comic miniseries, a comic that proved, among other things, that Chewie did indeed receive a medal for his actions at the Battle of Yavin. That comic was simply called Chewbacca, and we're going to talk about it today. You're listening to Canon Catch-Up from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to Canon Catch-Up from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Johnny Maynard. Do not adjust your pods. I've been let out of the Legends Library one more time uh, to chat a little bit about Canon. Uh, but I'm joined by regular Canon Catch-Up host with the most, Dan Macquarie. Hiya, Dan. Hey, Johnny. How are you doing? Uh, I'm just trying to think, have we ever done an episode just me and you? I think this could be Wait. our first no, this is our second. I'll tell oh, you. The, and the last, the last time we did it, and the only other time we did it, we were also talking about a, a lot of non-verbal wookie drama. Um, this time, I just made you read a comic uh, that I suspect you'll have enjoyed more than the 1978 holiday special. Ah, that was the last. Ah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, well, there you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> yeah, it's just yep. Johnny, Johnny, Dan, Wookie episodes. The, Absolutely, the only, the only time. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know if there are any other wookie-focused uh, stories, short stories, one-shots. The Life Day one-shot in three or four mm. years' time. <laughs> yeah, it'll be that long before you get to it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I take it you didn't really miss the forearm chefs in, in this comic. I mean, we, we got a, a, a forearm... Uh, parts salesman, did we not? We did, yeah, as a best list parts salesman, yeah. So we yeah, we did absolutely. we did get some forearms at least, <laughs> but no um, no banter surprise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, all, alrighty then. Uh, let, let's give the folks listening uh, a little bit of context for the episode. We're talking about Chewbacca, the the comic miniseries that ran for five issues from October to December 2015. That was two two issues dropped in October and two in that November, right, Dan, okay. which, which is odd, right? I mean, you, you follow the odd, monthly yeah. comics more than I do, but that's that's an unusual drop pattern. Yeah, yeah, I mean, comics are most, you know, most frequently monthly. You sometimes mm. have, like, new series will, you know, do two in two weeks and then and then go back yeah. to monthly to sort of build hype. But I, I didn't even know that this came out in the space of two months. That's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder if it was just part of that sort of intense ramp up to the Force Awakens in the yeah. cinema. Just, just get out, get him out, get him sold. I mean, <laughs> I know? remember, I remember that era because I was going to the comic book shop back in 2015 every week to buy Marvel comics. I actually, wasn't buying any Star Wars um, because I thought it was a slippery slope, and my um, mm. my monthly well, pool was already too big with like Spider-Man and yeah. you know the Avengers and stuff I couldn't yeah. I just remember every time I went in the, the, the guy who owned a comic book shop had to like clear a whole part of the shelf just for all the Star Wars stuff that was coming out yeah. so it, was, yeah. it was the build up to um, Force Awakens so it adds yeah. up I mean you weren't wrong it, 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 is, it is a slippery slope mm-hmm. 
Yeah, <laughs> once you start buying one Star Wars comic, you're kind of on the road. You're on the train, yeah. right? Yeah, don't, don't even ask me about my current omnibus addiction. That's that's oh, a, don't. a very don't. slippery slope. <laughs> the, the, those, those things are coffee table killers. They're just Oof. they're massive. Um, all right, so, so the trade paperback then was subsequently published in March 2016, um, which I guess is, is why we've slaughtered it here in the canon catch-up troll. I think with the way we're diarizing these things, Dan, mm-hmm. you're, you're giving tabs on on the on the canon schedule yeah. uh, the, the, the the comic trade paperbacks are kind of getting slotted in sort of where the where the trade paperbacks yeah yeah we've, cro- we've but yeah. sort of chronologically ordered it by trade paperback release as yeah. opposed to first issue release so, the, so yeah the, the point at which the whole story was available yeah. that's when we're yeah. covering yeah yeah um yeah and, and then it was republished again later that year in november 2016 as part of that bumper heroes for a new hope trade paperback that also yeah. contained the uh the princess leia and lando comic miniseries that have already been covered on the show we have um, we've covered both <laughs> princess leia and lando mm, so check yeah, those episodes yeah. out if you haven't already absolutely um so i guess i guess that this is part of that sort of trend around that time of doing these these comic mini series focusing on one of the main characters from the original trilogy right and sort of all of them kind of being set in and around this point in the timeline based kind of you know not bby more or less <laughs> yeah 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 uh, the the writer here is Jerry Duggan, whose only other Star Wars work, I think, is is the Beckett one shot comic that was oh, a tie God. in. Right, okay. to, I'm going by Wikipedia here. Um, <laughs> the that that was the tie in to the Solo a Star Wars story movie. Uh, though yeah. I believe he has worked he's worked on other Marvel titles, apparently Deadpool, Hulk. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, you'll know better than I do. Yeah, Jerry Duggan, um, I'm a huge Deadpool Deadpool fan, and Jerry Duggan's run on Deadpool is um pretty high up in my in my regards. So yeah, he's he's a he's a brilliant comic book writer, in my opinion at least. And uh Art Judy's though, that is a more familiar name to me anyway, and I think probably just to Star Wars book fans and indeed listeners to Canon Catch Up. Phil Notto. Is it Notto or Noto? I've always said Noto. But, Noto, okie doke. Maybe uh, I'm butchering his name. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Um, <laughs> but by this point, Noto uh, had provided cover art for issues of Star Wars, Darth Vader, Kanan, Shattered Empire, Princess Leia, mm-hmm. as well as illustrations for those middle grade, the little, sort of what we call the black and red middle grade books, sort of the yeah. Journey to the Force Awakens, you know, Smuggler's Run, Weapon of the Jedi, Moving Target. Uh, and I guess he'd go on to be, you know, he's been a prolific comic, oh, sorry, cover art artist mm. for, oh, yeah. in the years since yeah his, his um, cover art for for star wars is legendary i mean yeah people, i mean some of the work he's done for the high republic i mean he i'm pretty sure it was phil noto as well who did the um starlight beacon on fire who's gonna die poster for the, the finale of phase one i'm pretty sure that was a, a phil noto piece as well yeah which is a great image i just kind of i, I sort of just hated because i just did i hated that marketing <laughs> vibe for the high republic <laughs> Phase one. <laughs> Disaster of the week. Um, but, uh, I mean, has he done any other between the covers work on stores? Some Poe Dameron, maybe, I think, on Charles Soule's Poe Dameron. Um, maybe muddling that with somebody else. I mean, he's certainly done some of the covers for Poe Dameron, but now you're saying yeah. it, it's starting to ring a bell. Maybe he did do some yeah. artwork. Maybe, maybe, yeah. some, maybe early on before, I yeah. think maybe it switched to somebody else. Yeah, I'm terrible. Right. I'm, t- I'm terrible at remembering which artists do what. Yeah, if, if we're um, wrong, there, Johnny's probably cut this out. If we were wrong, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll leave it in the surprises this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so in terms of timeline, then, as we said, this one's kind of pitched at around zero BBY by, by mm-hmm. Wikipedia, uh, most likely, I guess, in the weeks or months following the Battle of Heaven. You haven't, what, what do you think, Dan? Probably somewhere before the events of the main Star Wars ongoing comic kicks off? Yeah, I, I see this as sort of the pre Jason Aaron. Yeah, sort of Star Wars run. Um, I sort of, in my mind, I have it that sort of just after the, A New Hope, all the sort of all the characters went off and just did little adventures on their own. So like Luke yeah. went and did the the deep the story of Heir to the Jedi and um, a weapon of a Jedi, mm. and then Han and Chewie did Smuggler's Run. Then Han probably went off and did his race when Chewie went off and did this, and Princess Leia was off saving all the Alderanian people. And so like that, yeah. in my mind, this is all just stuff that happened a week or two in after. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, uh, that's kind of how I picture it. You know, you, you've got a handful of novels, so you've got like Heir to the Jedi, you've got the Inferno Squad novel as well, kind of all taking place sort of post- a new hope mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. the other the, the main story as i see it of sort of star wars and the vader runs yeah kind of yeah. kick off and they really tell the main story of our main characters anyway between yavin and hoth essentially um in terms of the plot then uh we're finding chewbacca crash landed on the planet andelm 4 a, a world currently unsullied by the empire but but maybe not for long uh there's a local loan shark here and a gangster uh called jaum um who's effectively enslaved many people in the world having basically having them work off debts working in these dangerous mines for, for something called deadlinite uh, a mineral mineral that's used in weapons manufacture uh with, with a deal with the empire sort of on the horizon Jung's activities see local man Arax, uh, his teenage daughter Zaro, and much of their community facing a lifetime of, of slavery. Unless that is, Zaro can persuade Andelm's hairy visitor to intervene and help them to fight for freedom. Um, so, first things first, Dan, overall impressions. I mean, you've just read this for the first time in the last couple of days, I think. Um, how was it for you? No, it's not actually the first time. Um, I have I had read this mm. uh, maybe maybe four or five years ago on just, okay. di- just digitally on Unlimited in uh, my sort you. of my big collective binge of just everything Star Wars. Um, but it was, I guess, maybe one of the ones that I didn't remember as well. Um, yeah. So I ordered the tra- secondhand copy of the trade paperback the other day. I actually sat down and read it about two hours ago, so it's pretty fresh in my head. Minty fresh. And I like this one. It, it's it's charming. Um, it's fun. It's quite a quick read as well because it's not too dialogue heavy because <laughs> yeah. che- Chewbacca just goes, you know, and, and doesn't yeah. have any sort of um, big chunky boxes of dialogue. It's, it's, it's not as high up in my rankings as the likes of like the Lando miniseries. Um, but it sort of sits around the le- the level that I would put like the Princess Leia miniseries, which mm. it's a good, fun story that actually gives a nice bit of canon sort of tidbits. Um, but it's not quite as groundbreaking as some of the other stories in, in the comic. And I think that's fine. I don't think every story does need to be sort of groundbreaking. Um, yeah. I, I think the main th- the main thing I take away from this comic is this is uh, 
a portfolio of incredible artwork from Phil Noto. And oh, I know that's, my goodness. that's something we'll talk about later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So story, fun, enjoyable. I like Chewbacca. I like seeing him do stuff. It's not one of my favorites, but it's not bad. It, it's, it's a good yeah. comic. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I first read this, I guess, when the trade paperback dropped in 2016. Um, I remember enjoying it a lot uh, and being really impressed that they managed to tell an engaging story in which the title character doesn't speak basic anywhere on the page. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was an interesting challenge that they kind of rose to and met really, really well. Uh, I mean, I thought it looked gorgeous you know and i was really enjoying i mean i was really generally really enjoying this sort of these little sort of character focused mini series as they were dropping around that time thing i like as you say things like princess leia i i am in the same boat i think it's it's not sort of it's not up there with say lando for me um but, but it, it's absolutely solid um and i kind of I do wish we had more of these, this sort of thing, telling stories that maybe they're not that consequential, like like the Han Solo one that you'll talk about in the future in Canon Catch-Up wasn't particularly consequential, you know, mm-hmm. but um, just an opportunity to tell a story that's just sort of to the side of the main stuff that's going on, yeah. just focusing on, just taking the time to focus on one character and maybe one, maybe one idea with, with, with one character, you know, for four or five issues. Um, I really miss that. I wish we had more of it. Like Sanastaros in recent years oh. was like a highlight for me. You know, oh, man. I, I, I would take a half dozen of those a year over, you know, some of the series that are ongoing and we wish they weren't. And I'm not, I'm not even going to name it. I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. Um, <laughs> but- <laughs> I mean, I mean, funny enough, what, like what, what you mentioned just there, like Sanastaros in mm. my mind, when it comes to miniseries, Lando and Sanastaros are, what I would describe as like the peak of Star Wars yeah. miniseries. Like yeah. th- those are an example of telling a story in five issues. that is a complete beautiful character study um, yeah. and tells you so much about the Star Wars universe that you didn't know before you read it. And I think the next tier down is probably where I, where the likes of Chewbacca and Han Solo and Princess Leia sits. They're, they're really good yeah. fun. You learn a little bit more about the character. You learn a little bit more about the universe, but you have a good time whilst you're doing it. Um, and I, it's it's one of these ones where like, I, I sometimes have a mixed relationship with a miniseries thing in comics in general because mm-hmm. I like spending time with characters in comics. I like the return of characters from earlier issues. I like building yeah. plots over multiple arcs, but that's obviously yeah. not always possible. And I think when a writer comes along with a good idea for a, for a miniseries, I think it's always worth, it's always worth the time. Absolutely. And I think uh, I really enjoy miniseries that are presented as as Lando is, as Princess Leia is, as that Han Solo one is, as this one is, as Sanastaros is, you know, it, it's one cohesive story. Yeah. We've had far too many, for my money, in recent years of miniseries that are kind of have a sort of a very sort of flimsy wraparound or bookend or framing device, which is just an excuse to tell a different story from a different part of the timeline in one issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not a cohesive mini series. It's an anthology with a flimsy wraparound story. And, and that 
I find really unsatisfactory. Generally, they're you know, my they're my bottom tier in in yeah. terms of, of miniseries. I think the the only one that sort of sits outside for me is the the Yoda one, but that was like a, a ten issue, yeah, big story. Um, but yeah, the likes of even though I absolutely adore Ethan Sachs's Galaxy, uh, Ethan Sachs's Bounty Hunters, Galaxy's Edge, Halcyon Legacy, not really for me. The Obi Wan yeah. series, I know a lot of people like that, but it, it wasn't really for no. me either. Um, I was looking one on it as well. Yeah, for, for, for that reason. For that reason. Yeah, and I, th- I don't even think it's I don't even think it's the writing. I think it's just the device. That yeah, doesn't work for me. Um, so yeah, I prefer these types of stories. Yeah, get in, tell me a linear story, and get out. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, over five issues. Um, okay, well, let's let's talk briefly about the story because I think the story isn't really the main event here. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, w- when you boil it down, there's not much to it. You know, Chewie helps local workers' rebellion against gangster, and the Empire leaves the planet alone. I mean, yep. I'm am I being unfair? Am I, you know, is that not? No, <laughs> is there more that's to the, it? That's the story. Chewbacca ha- helps friendly young girl freeze planet from slavery because he was a slave once and goes back to rebellion all happy at the end. Yeah. Well, via this, via the sort of slightly poignant maudlin epilogue and on Kashyyyk, oh, I suppose, which, which I really it's, like. It's yeah. very, very touching, but we'll get to that. Um, I guess as I was thinking about the story, I, I realized a couple of things. One was that it reminded me of something we'd seen on screen in the years since. And it also reminded me of something else we've seen in another miniseries since. Um, so, and I kind of wondered if the impact, if folk were coming to this for the first time now, I do wonder if its impact might be diminished even more. If the story, if the story might feel even more flimsy because they've already seen on screen the sort of Chewie and his role in the rebellion at the Kessel Coaxium mine. Yeah, on solo, yeah. you know, which is not a million miles away from some of the scenes that we're seeing here. It's quite similar. Uh, yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> uh, although, and although this came first, you know, sort yeah. of yeah. The, the other is now more familiar to more folk. Uh, and then, similarly, the Lando Double or Nothing miniseries, which is it was a tie-in miniseries featuring Lando, another tie-in to the solo movie, um, featured Lando, kind of again helping out sort of this small rebellion, you know, in, in a very similar way. Yeah, um, kind of getting caught up in it maybe against his better judgment. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of just wonder maybe if the impact of this story is even as undermined even further, but it's not the most, you know, it's, it's not the most original story in the world to start with, but we've seen more variations on it since yeah. as well. You yeah. know, I think, I think it's sort of that classic sort of star Wars adventure really of, you know, mm. the, the, the little guy, but in, I mean, in this case, the girl, little girl rising up, um, fighting back against, you know, whether it's gangsters or the Empire or both, um, with the support of, you know, one of our heroes of the galaxy. I mean, it happens a lot in the Clone Wars. It happens a lot yeah. in Rebels. It happens throughout comics. It's a common Star Wars story. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing because it yeah. works. And I think it's nice to see a Chewbacca adventure without Han. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Him free. I mean, still Han Solo and Chewbacca are like my favorite duo ever, but Mm -hmm. there's an element of seeing Chewbacca free of Han and letting him sort of be his own leader. 
which is a nice yeah. thing to see here. Yeah, that, 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 that's a perfect segue then to move on, talk about the characters, and we'll talk about Chewbacca first then. Because you know, the story here is, I think, deliberately a familiar, almost tropish thing because it's a difficult set. You know, you, you've got a you've got a lot of non-verbal storytelling, a lot of visual storytelling. It, it kind of helps, I assume, from a writing perspective to help to, to, to hang what they've got to do with the, Chewbacca and the main character, at least on a, on a story structure that, that's kind of familiar. Um, so Chewie, um, I guess here we've got him helping with the sort of workers' rebellion, which isn't surprising in itself. Um, but did you find anything in here um, that was surprising about Chewbacca, or did this add to your understanding of him or your appreciation of him as a character in any way? I mean, I think it just continues to sort of add to my appreciation of Chewbacca as a character. Um, I think there's a lot of fun Chewbacca stuff. I mean, we talked about volume two of um, Jason Aaron's Star Wars last week on Canon Catch-Up, and that's got some great Chewbacca stuff in it with him fight, fighting Dengar. Um, so I think this was an era that Chewbacca was getting a bit of attention paid to him, which is which is good. I love Chewbacca. Um I think in terms of what we learned new about Chewbacca, there wasn't a huge amount. And I think the little tidbits that we got is actually the stuff that I, even though I really like this story, is some of the stuff that I wish we got more of in this miniseries. So, for example, like when when um, the girl talks about, is it, has her name Zaro? Was, was that her name? Yeah, Zaro. Zar- yeah. When Zaro talks about, you know, her people being enslaved, Chewbacca gets a sort of very brief flashback to sort of Wookiees and him being enslaved. Um, yeah. And that obviously makes a connection in him that says, this is wrong, I want to fix this. And that mm. was something that I found really, really interesting and kind of wish we got a little bit more of. Um, and then you mentioned it as well that at the end we got a sort of epilogue with him Kashyyyk family, his tribe. Mm. And I think there was an element of that that I loved. And I just kind of wanted a bit more of that as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it hinted to some things about Chewbacca that I would love to see more of. It almost, it almost felt like this, this was actually, this could have been a better 10 issue series, like 10 issue Mm -hmm. mini series. And this being the first arc teasing to these things and the second arc really going into Chewbacca and Kashyyyk, because with the exception of uh, aftermath life debt, we actually don't get a lot of Chewbacca Kashyyyk stuff. Um, So even though I, I liked Chewbacca's, character in this i love the idea that he helps you know children out and you know he has that just honest good nature about him even though Mm -hmm. he rips off people's limbs and batters them with them (laughs) some Uh of the some of the stuff this story teased about chewbacca's character deeper i felt like was just a bit too surface level for me i wanted a bit more there yeah yeah fair enough fair enough uh, it's interesting you mentioned the flashbacks about sort of enslavement and captivity because that that is another one of the flashback moments that that spoke to me um and was a surprise to me i guess because there's there's this moment where to to access the mine to help to, so that he can get in there and help them out down there, he's got to go through this lower himself down through this sort of natural air vent in the ground. It's basically like a sort mm. of a really tight tunnel. Yeah, and it's almost like he 
he's claustrophobic and he sort of mm. he suddenly has this flashback about you know sort of being captured by Trandoshans and being having a net over him yes yeah um yeah. you know so it kind of and uh, you know, we'll talk more about the arc later but really brilliant panel sequencing from Phil mm. Noto here you know so you've got a panel of him in the wedged in this air shaft then flashback sort of of him in the net then another panel of him stuck in the shaft and another flashback of him being herded close sort of you know cheek by jarl with a bunch of other wookies so you know the claustrophobia is kind of a trauma response to the captivity the enslavement yeah. you know um so much so that he actually then clambers back up out of the hole and mm. he's literally like he literally has a panic attack and he's just gasping for breath or yeah, yeah, yeah. look at looking down at the hole like Oh fuck! I, really, I don't really want to do this, but I've got to do this because this girl's relying on me, you know. And all all of this completely non-verbal, you know, obviously. Yeah. So um, well done. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I, I thought that was interesting. I guess. Well, for, first, I, I, I didn't know Chewie was claustrophobic, um, <laughs> but um, that 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 just played out really, really well. It's a nice character beat that I totally wasn't expecting, you mm. know. I guess that sort of sort of links back to my point is is those bits of character work that Jerry Duggan did here were excellent and well I mean a lot a lot of the work was done by Phil Noto with his artwork um, and I, th- I guess that's the stuff that I attach to um, but to be honest I mean I would I would very heavily bank on the outline of what Duggan and Noto were allowed to do with this series in terms of what you learn about Chewbacca being very restricted because the solo movie was coming out. And I I imagine this is not because they didn't choose to dig into that stuff, but I imagine Marvel or Lucasfilm would have said, right, you can hint at these things, but we've got a solo movie that's really going to focus on Chewbacca. So Mm. don't go too deep. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, I, I think one of the ways that they deal with that restricted with, with that restriction is, is to sort of. It feels to me like they, they've they've looked for an idea. They've tried to find like sort of a theme or an idea to build the story around. And, and yeah. it, it's it seems to me that you know, if you're looking for a theme in the comic, is this idea of doing the right thing, even if you don't get the recognition for it. There's even a conversation towards yeah. the end between Zaro and Chewie. Well, Zaro talking to Chewie to that effect, um, you know, and, and it feels like the story maybe grew from that seed. You know, what do we know about Chewie in this era? I don't know. He didn't get a medal at the end of A New Hope. Is there a story there? Yeah, um, yeah. you know, not, a story not necessarily, not necessarily about the the medal, but on that theme of not getting or perhaps not wanting the recognition mm-hmm. for doing the good thing, and and yeah. that kind of becomes part of it, um, which is really interesting. Um, I, I want to talk about the medal, although you, you mentioned Kashyyyk as well, and I do want to talk, I want to talk a bit more about Kashyyyk <laughs> and the stuff that goes on there. But I want to think about the medal before I lose that that thought. Um, I guess we learn here he does have one. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he gives it away to Zara at the end after that conversation, you know, um, sort of in recognition to her you know, for, for what she's done, what she's accomplished here. So, so I guess the question I have is, but twofold. What does that tell us about Chewbacca, and how do we reassess the medal ceremony at the end uh, on Yavin in light of that knowledge? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think this is one of the things that I've always has always been head canon for me anyway. That Chewbacca got a medal, we just we just didn't see it. Yeah, <laughs> and then obviously 
various bits of canon work has sort of plugged that gap. And then Rise of Skywalker came along and said, oh, we'll give him another one <laughs> because we haven't read the comics. But that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, to, be, to be fair to J.J. Abrams and the Rise of Skywalker, I think that moment still works. Not you know, it, it was always working on two levels. One is kind of the fan service sort of, look, we're giving Chewie a medal now. Um, and on the other level, it's just a nice emotional beat. Han would want you to have his medal. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and for me, that's all it is because I'd read this. I'd read this stuff. And I'm like, I know Chewie had a medal. He gave it away to the kid. But you know, it's it's fine. Yeah, but I think what it says about Chewbacca's character is he doesn't do anything for recognition. He doesn't do yeah. any. I mean, he's not like Han or Lando. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Han wants to be known as like the great smuggler. And then eventually, you know, he's quite happy being known as a great general. Um, yeah. You know, Lando wants to be known as the the sort of coolest scoundrel in the galaxy. He And mm. then eventually he wants to be known as a rebel leader. But Chewbacca yeah. doesn't care about any of that. Chewbacca just wants to help his friends and he just wants to do what's right. And I think this, you know, he doesn't care about a medal. A medal means nothing to him. Yeah. But it might mean something to this girl. So... He gives it to her. I think that's yeah, just a yeah. simple, nice point. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it was reading this that made me real, made me think. It well, gave me the idea that oh, well, you know, it, it, it's not maybe that they forgot of the given one or they given one later. It was like maybe before the ceremony, he was like, "Look, just you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stand next. I'll stand there, but don't give me one. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to be. I don't want know. attention. I'm just a big yeah. friendly rookie, you know. Exactly, you know, which yeah. is kind of like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of cool, you know. He, he stand there next to his mate for as you know support, but um, you know, he really doesn't want it to be about him at all. Um, so that's you know, and again, you know, I think that it's cool that a nice little mini series like this gets to you know sketch in some of that detail, some of that yeah. character work, you know. You sort of and you kind of retrospectively reassess stuff from the films in the light yeah. of it, you know. And I think that also speaks to the Wookiee culture because, I mean, you know, Wookiees are tribes. I mean, they're in tribes of people. They see themselves as a collective. They don't see themselves as an individual. And what we know yeah. about humans is humans are always out for themselves. And what we sort of learn more and more about Wookiees, the, the limited amount of time we spend with them in Star Wars is that they are a, they are a community people race. And mm. I guess that links quite nicely to the idea that he doesn't, care much about individual recognition he's just happy yeah. to be part of a team and i think i think all of that lines up yeah absolutely i mean speaking of wiki culture uh, as you said we do have this section towards the back of the at the end of the series where everything is done and dusted on andelm 4 and uh he, he finally reaches kashik which is where he was on his way to before he crash landed there um and sort of early on the idea is introduced. he's got this box or something in a box that he's meant to be delivering to Kashyyyk. Um, the first time I read this, I actually, I think I got a bit confused about what was going on in the last few pages there on Kashyyyk. And then having reread it in more recent years, I don't know how I got it confused. <laughs> I was just, I guess I was just being thick. Um, what did you make of what was going on there on Kashyyyk? I mean, he's going to visit his family, right? <laughs> See, that's what I thought the first time around. But it seems more like he's delivering the bandolier of a dead Wookiee from the Rebellion. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right, aren't you? Sorry, I'm just going to... I'm just going to... You can edit out the noise of me flicking through the pages. I'm just going to have a look at the artwork. 
Right. Oh my God. Yeah. This so there's, must... the holo- there's the hologram of a Wookiee wearing the same bandolier. They're all kind of gathered around it like they're at a wake or something. Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. then the, the, this guy's son comes up and he presents the bandolier. His his I assume his father's. Yeah, and you can bandolier. see the bandoliers all rusty and charred yeah. and that sort of thing. Oh my God. That that's even more emotional now. <laughs> reading that, that uh, he's just going to a Wookiee funeral. Yeah, but but the first time reading it, I was I think I was so excited about oh he's going to Kashyyyk, is he going to visit Malor? We're we going to see Lumpy. You know, I'm I'm a fan of the holiday special. You know, I was going yeah. to, and I think I can't remember if by that point had Life Debt come out. Maybe no, not. No, he wouldn't have come out just yet. No, so so we, so we hadn't been reintroduced to Lumpy yet. But I think I think I was still looking forward to that possibility, um, and. So in in my brain, I saw those panels and assumed it was Lumpy, assumed it was his family, and I kind of misread some of the other visual cues that that were there. God shows shows how, how completely badly. I, I mean, I'm literally reading the pa- the panels right now, and with any fight comes loss. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, how could I be? Uh, oh, good. Well, I'm so happy that I get it now. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of reassuring because that was my first experience as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure and, it probably is a lot yeah. of people listening as well. Yeah. So, so I guess as as much as you know, and we'll, when we talk about the art later, we'll probably pre- I will certainly be singing the praises of the visual storytelling. Um, but maybe that section is is a bit where maybe it has been prone to misinterpretation, um, and then sort of the, the lack of verbal storytelling, the sort of the reliance on visual storytelling, maybe hasn't landed. But not, I don't think to the detriment of your enjoyment of the thing. It's just then you get that extra moment of epiphany three years later when somebody points it out to you or when you realize. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of these one of these situations that happen in comic quite a lot where you might miss a point of a scene and mm. you sort of question, is it just because I'm reading too fast and not taking it all in? You know, can I really criticize the writer or the artist for yeah. doing something? Actually, now I'm looking at it pretty damn obvious. <laughs> now you've said it. That's the thing. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, every time since when I've gone back to reread it, I'm like, how did I misread this? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I feel so stupid now. But like, I mean, that's that has become a much more beautiful scene in in my head yeah. now. The fact, Isn't that, it just? the fact that Chewbacca would take a break from you know, chilling with Han to go back to Kashyyyk because a Wookiee has died in the rebellion and, yeah. and he's going to return the bandolier as if, as if the bandolier is some sort of like, you know, almost like ceremonial piece of the yeah. Wookiee to, to his yeah. son. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty beautiful. And the, it is, isn't it? the whole sort of epilogue um, sort of um, like the whole monologue really of, of um, Zaro talking about Chewbacca I mean, on 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 just looking at that again just now. I mean, that says everything about his character because he's yeah. essentially given up his home and his people to go fight in a war that he has been dragged into by people he doesn't know. <laughs> but now he like he loves and cares about them, so he's going to go and fight in this war. I mean, that yeah, that says a lot about Chewbacca. But he's still yeah, got time to it? come back to his people and go to a funeral, basically. Yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, this comic's a hell of a lot deeper than I thought it was. <laughs> oh, it's so good! It's so good. Um, all, all right, let's talk about some of the other characters then. Um, Zaro, this, this sort of teenage rebel. Um, how, how did you fare with her? I mean, I, I, I thought she managed to be 
not annoying in the slightest, which mm. I thought was impressive. Yeah, you know, because it, 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 she she could so easily have been a really irritating character. Yeah. I think. Um, um, no, I found Zaro really endearing. Good character, good sort of POV character because it's difficult to have Chewbacca as a POV because yeah. of the the language. Um, so I, I like the way that Zaro interacted with Chewbacca. I like the way that Chewbacca sort of formed this sort of bro- older brotherly bond with her. It was really nice. Yeah. I like the idea that this, you know, you, you see through her what I love. Any Star Wars story that tells you about a planet and the way that the Empire stamps its boot of oppression down on a planet i find really interesting and the fact that this one is just some absolute scumbag gangster who wants to enslave people and then make money off them by selling what they're mining for him to the empire like yeah that that says yeah the empire are evil but there's also evil scumbags who aren't part of the empire out there as well yeah yeah he he wants to sell the whole operation including the slaves to the empire so basically these people are facing the prospect of being indentured slaves to the empire yeah after after jaume has sold up and moved on basically having made his fortune so so I, i i really enjoy stories that tell us a little bit more about imperial oppression i mean any yeah uh, i mean it was the thing i liked most about john jackson miller's new dawn um yeah it's uh there's a lot of examples that aren't coming to my head right now <laughs> but servants of the empire oh servants yeah yeah, yeah yeah servants of the empire yeah. um so that and i thought the zaro was a good sort of lead through you know a, a good sort of point to journey us through that story um yeah yeah, yeah. I, I loved her. I mean, I, I, and I think this is probably testament to Jerry Duggan's writing that she, obviously, she's there to verbalize alongside Chewbacca, and I say alongside because she's not speaking for him. You know, Duggan never strips Chewie of his own agency. You know, uh, you know, he's nobody's sidekick in this. No, you know no. what I mean. You know, he is in charge of his own destiny and he is making his own choices all the way through this. Um, so, you know, she's not speaking for him, but, you know, we, we glean what Chewbacca is thinking or saying through her. And sometimes because what she's projecting onto him and verbalizing isn't what we know Chewbacca would think or say. You know, so there's, yeah. you know, it's like, there's like the conversation where she's saying, oh, yeah, you must really love the Empire because you're not helping or you know you know and you know that that's not right yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know so so, so you, and that's a really obvious example but it's, it's done more subtly in other things as well there's not coming to mind but you know you you infer what she is feeling and intending through her maybe misreading him mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. really clever writing you yeah. know yeah, yeah. Um, but but I guess for that to work, it requires you to know Chewbacca. I think if some somebody coming to this, somebody who'd never read Star Wars, who didn't know the character of Chewbacca, might struggle. I think mm-hmm. with that because I think we as readers who like Chewbacca and know something of him kind of project are projecting mm-hmm. into that conversation as well. But it works. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think the sign of a good sort of like one-off comic book character is if they popped up again in a random issue of Charles Soule's Star Wars or someone comes along and pens another Chewbacca miniseries in mm. 20 years time and an older Zaro is in it, I'd be like, cool, she's back. That's yeah. really interesting. Let, let's see how she's changed now that Chewbacca's come into her life. 
That's something yeah. I would like to see, which I don't always want to see about every character in, in every comic book miniseries. Um, yeah. I think about, I think about, um, is it Avan or um, yeah, Avan Verlin from the Princess Leia comic? Yeah, incredible, like wonderful character. Anytime she pops mm. up again, I'm always like, yes, yeah. she's back. That's great. Um, yeah, Zaro is funnily enough, as much as she's sort of. She is a, an interesting character with her own agency, but she is a bit of a device as well, a device mm-hmm. to, yeah. to to guide us through a Chewbacca story. I would very happily have her pop up again. Yeah, um, same here. I mean, you, 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 yeah, she is kind of one and done. I mean, in a, in a way, she sort of reminds me of, I don't know, do you remember Jay Bo Hood from The Clone Wars? No. So if that says everything, I don't remember who that is. <laughs> he, he's a little guy uh, who lives on, I don't know, whatever, whatever the planet, uh, Iego, you know, the moons of Iego with the angels, and they've got to go and, at the end of season one, Anakin and Obi-Wan have got to go there to get the, the special Rexler route or something that's the antidote to the blue shadow virus. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> and there's this little dude living on Iego who, like, has this little army of self-modified battle droids. Oh, you know? right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's, like, sort of, he's got this little sort of hammock made with the, you know, vulture droids and stuff. You know, she, you know, she sort of, She's got that kind of vibe for me. It's this one and done character, and you know, if you, if they, if they were to pop up again, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, yeah. I quite like. Honestly, I'd quite like to know what happened to Jay Hood. You know, um, he can get off Diego and I because they disabled that you know defense system. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if, if I had to pitch uh, another Chewbacca series to Marvel, I'd be like, ten years after Return of the Jedi, you know, a, a Chewbacca solo story of you know him bumping into Zaro as like a you know, at this point, I mean, what should be like 15 years older yeah. than she is here. She's like a grizzled rebellion fighter. And yeah. Chewbacca bumps into her and they go on another adventure. If, if that happened, I'd be like, yeah. cool, I'm glad to see her again. Yeah. Or even since we have a dearth of sequel trilogy stuff, ping her even further forward in the timeline to the sequel era, you know? And have have her go on a jolly with Chewbacca in the period between Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker. I mean, she would know? definitely be someone in her older age who would join up with the Resistance. So, oh, totally, yeah, totally. Um, or even you know, even if she just like like they've done with Ivan Verlaine, just kind of peppered into other stuff, just like mm-hmm. you know, as a result of what happened on Andelm Four, uh, she did in fact eventually go on to join the Rebellion, and she just pop, pops up from time to time doing cool stuff. Um, but we have we haven't seen her. We haven't seen her. Um, well, one thing I do want to mention before we move on to talk about somebody else: uh, the, the Orabesh on her T-shirt. Do you know what that spells? Is it like Adidas or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it says it says trouble. Oh right, that's nice. Um, that's nice. I like uh, that. Except that in more than half of the panels where it's shown it's misspelled so it is meant to be tr- it's meant to be trouble and it's certainly trouble on some of the cover art and stuff and it's certainly trouble when it is readable and legible but very very frequently there are letters inverted or the wrong letters it winds me up no end um and i don't know if it's noto or i think off very often even though that might look like it's an artist thing i think sometimes the letterer comes in after the fact and does some of that stuff yeah yeah Uh, yeah. even even though it's kind of within the artwork as as it were and not sort of box work or dialogue work Uh, so i don't know if it's that's a noto problem or a joe caramanga coming in on the lettering issue mm-hmm. 
or yeah, that that has always bothered me because the 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 continuity work is really bad on the Orabesh on that T-shirt. <laughs> Maybe it's I, I I bet it was an inside joke where they were like, any nerd who's deep enough to try and translate this Orabesh, I want them to be pissed off because it's different well, every time. <laughs> see, I bet you they wouldn't do it now because you know I, I think a lot of people like me, have probably learned Orobesh by reading the comics. I have not seen, in recent years, I've not seen an error in the mm-hmm. Orobesh. Yeah. I think they've gotten a lot more... They just they just keep an eye on it now, yeah. and I think yeah, they, yeah. they make sure they're getting it right and not messing around with it, because there'll always be some nerd on Twitter going, uh, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't go on social media and do that. I would just, I, I would just sit and judge them quietly from home. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, and that actually that, that that's why as another aside that uh, on my my cosplay that I had at celebration on my modified stormtrooper breastplate I had trouble stenciled in the same. Oh right, okay, but, uh, yeah. yeah, cool. Um, yeah, my little uh, Zaro shout out on my cosplay. <laughs> um, right, so um, another character then, Jaume, this sort of um, gangster guy, I guess he's the antagonist of the piece. Um, did he make any kind of impression on you? Not a huge impression. I like the design. I like the way he was drawn yeah. and the sort of weird sort of fish tank on his head that he at some point used where he just sort of like took the tube off his like helmet and used it to like kill someone by like the, the toxic gas that he breathes in. Yeah, so he's breathing. He has, he, I guess he breathes a non-oxygen atmosphere, so he's yeah. walking around with this, the fishbowl on his head. Yeah, and, so that, yeah. Like, that was a cool image. But I mean, to be honest, he, he said, his purpose he was a classic yeah. like dick who got his comeuppance in the end i mean yeah you know he he was trying to use the empire to profit and the zaro and chewbacca turned that back on him and ended up he ended up getting you know destroyed by the the hand that he was trying to you know yeah yeah take from i guess totally i mean yeah he, he, he's he's a yeah, he's he's a plot device. He's the he's a, he's a necessary antagonist. Yeah. Um, I, I guess uh, as you've alluded to, the, the design is intriguing. Yeah, the design's the coolest bit. Yeah, it's always nice to see that they've they've taken the they've realized. Okay, he's sort of a functional antagonist. What can we do to make him interesting? At least let's give him a nice design or something novel. And as you say, that came into play in the plot and with a nice mm. character, pretty nice awful character moment when he uses that uniqueness to to murder this guy um yeah when he sat in like what is definitely a strip club <laughs> yeah yeah and, and so some slave where some poor slave where comes to report the truth to him or something and he's just like oh well thanks for the news have some toxic gas in your face yeah it's it's someone ratting out on chewy and zaro and then yeah. they get killed for it Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, um, but but I guess it, it it speaks to Duggan and Noto, at least having thought through and thought, well, let let's give him something, let's yeah. make him interesting, taking the time to make him more. So you know, it it could be another weak way pirate. It could be an, yeah. a, another of somebody with something we've seen a billion times before. And instead, it's actually I, I double checked on Wikipedia. He's got no species. He's you know we, we've never seen anything like him before right, or okay. since. Yeah, that's cool. I know. like new design. Um, I like yeah. new alien designs. I like new weird Star Wars ways to kill enemies. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it worked for yeah. me. I mean, I'm I'm not yeah. gonna tomorrow. I won't remember his name, 
but I will probably remember yeah. the fact he killed someone with a breathing tube. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, 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 and following that idea through that, you know, they've taken the time to at least do something new and interesting design wise um, with, with sort of with smaller characters, you know, um, there's this other side character, Seavox, who's like this sort of this, this guy that um, Zaru goes to for help after she's escaped the mine for the second time. Um, and, and he's a human, but uh, his body rejects implants so the, and the, because he doesn't have any eyes. Um, he's lost his eyes somehow. We, there's a horrible line. I, th- I think she just says they rotted away. I don't know what that means. Mm. Um, he, he's got some sort of interface, the sort of his visual cortex is receiving input from his protocol droid. Yeah, yeah which is... Which is a really cool idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just a really cool, interesting idea. Although every time then I see them both in a panel together, I'm kind of my brain is like dealing with the fact that okay, so he's sitting there, but the droid is there, so that means he's seeing what the droid is seeing. The droid's looking at Chewie, who's next to him over there, but b- b- behind the guy. Yeah, that must get <laughs> you know? really confusing. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, but okay, just just another just one of those nice touches. Like, yeah, they, they they've thought about making the bit players interesting as well. Yeah. You know, and giving them something new and unique. I wonder, I, how, I wonder how, you know, him going on a date with a fellow man or woman would go. I mean, surely he'd have the protocol droid standing at the dinner table watching the two of them. <laughs> I mean, it depends how much of a voyeur you are, I suppose. To be able oh, to, God, to I, mean, I, haven't of... even, I haven't even thought about that element of it. Oh, God. To have that out-of-body experience of watching you. This is, okay. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. Well, Chris isn't even here. That's, 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 not, that's not Chris's Yeah, one. I know. That's... <laughs> we, can't even, we can't even blame Chris for going off piece there. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, um, uh, yeah, let, let's move on and talk about the art um, because the art is absolutely fantastic. It's gorgeous. Um, uh, do you have any favorite panels or yep. spreads or, or anything yep. in particular? Okay, yep. well, I'm holding away. it up right now. I can see it. The full, yeah. the full panel sped. I know people who are listening can't see this. I'm holding it up to show Johnny. It's Chewbacca we'll, lying. We'll, po- we'll post it with the social media posts for this episode. Yeah. It's Chewbacca lying on a bed of pink flowers. It's a full page spread and it is absolutely stunning artwork. It's yeah. incredible. And then my other favorite one is the, the final page, um, which is another beautiful spread of um, Chewbacca. Um, sort of facing off, um, not facing off, uh, looking down at this this boy who he's returned the bandolier yeah. to as the Millennium Falcon roars above him to pick him up yeah. and take him, take him back to his, his crew. Um, yeah. oh, I mean, Phil Noto has... I mean, Phil Noto is an incredible artist. Um, the colour work in this is incredible as well. Oh, Make yeah. sure we shout out the... Oh my god! There is there is no colorist, which means Phil Noto did the colors as well. Yeah, I know, right? So, I mean, yeah, Phil Noto. This is. I don't. Th- this story won't be for everyone. I mean, I-, I like it. I don't love it. I like it, but I mean, this is like how you draw a comic book. Yeah, the artwork is stunning. It's stylized. It's 
it really i mean some of the spreads in this are just absolutely incredible but i mean nothing for me comes close to that image of chewbacca just like chilling yeah. on a bed of flowers in the sunshine eyes closed it just perfectly yeah. encaptures chewbacca's character yeah so well. yeah it's like you know you, you may be cool but you will never be chewbacca lying on a bed of roses cool yeah exactly you know? and he's got it's... that smile on his face that just says yeah, yeah my ship just crashed on a planet i've never been to but who cares the sun's out i'm gonna lie on the flowers i mean oh, exactly it's excellent uh, yeah uh, yeah indeed i mean the the, 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 the that's my probably one my top pick in terms of individual panels um but you know I think the whole first issue is amazing in terms of the panel sequencing, the colors, even just, you know, but by the time you're on page two or three and you're into the mines with that sort of beautiful fluorescence of these kind of beetle grubs that they're mm. mining for the yeah. chemicals, you know, then they kind of almost look slightly translucent and they start glowing. It's, it's just, a re- so, again, something we've never seen before and never seen since. It just pops, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but there is, a particular page for me on, on in, in issue one, um, where Zaro goes to the local authorities for help, and she kind of gets this sort of fearful, cold shoulder. Uh, she walks back through the crowd, sits on her stolen speeder bike, and then sort of takes off on it. And every single panel in that page is pitch perfect. Uh, you know, the local administrator's face kind of through the crack in the door, as they say, kind of, you know, um, well, John was paid off the console too. You know, you can't. We can't really talk to you. Um, the way that Noto plays with like focus and perspective in the crowd scene as she's walking through the crowd, so you've got another alien kind of slightly out of focus in the foreground. There's a lot of focus play in. Mm, yeah, I'm looking at it panels. now. Yeah. In, in, in the in the first issue in particular, the the way, and I assume some of it's kind of done digitally after the drawing has been rendered. But it, it works really, really well. Um, I love that view from above as Zaro sits on the speeder bike, looking at her handful of credits. You know, and you, you don't see her face, but that composition alone tells its own story about mm-hmm. her isolation, her directionless, in a way that like a close up of her face just wouldn't tell the story. Mm. Yeah, and <laughs> you know. And there's a there's another bit a couple pages later where this sort of this sort of Shivastavan Shivastavan is that just, how you Shivastavan like a wolf. Shistavan and henchman comes yeah. into this like sort of city, I don't know restaurant or bar that Chewbacca's in, and yeah. just like the lighting. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I, that scene is amazing. It's not lighting because it's a comic book, but like yeah. this, this, this would not look out of place in like a Ridley Scott Blade Runner noir. I mean, it's like yeah, it's so yeah. like. Oh, it's yeah. Phil Noto is absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then, then that's the thing, right? It, it, and the art in this goes from bright pink neon to sort of shadowy nightclub to, and all of it pops. It all works really, really well. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think we had anything like it. You know, I feel like we said that last time when we talked about Lando and. Um, Remind me again of the artist on Lando. Uh, Alex Malieve, yeah. Yeah, you know, but again, this is a different artist doing something completely different, but again, something we've not really seen mm. replicated in elsewhere in the, in the canon. Yeah, this early this early era in sort of Marvel Star Wars comics was really good for artwork. I mean, yeah. the, the stuff that Marco Cicchetto did on Shattered Empire, 
um, this Lando, and then sort of, um, and then you, you you fast forward to some some of the stuff now, like um, Paolo Villanelli, Paolo Villanelli's work on Bounty Hunters, mm. um, Ario Anandito on the High Republic, um, even like a little the sort of the four issue Captain Phasma miniseries, which was mm. um, Marco Cicchetto as well. Um, there are some amazing panels and spreads in that. Yeah, like I, I'm a huge, huge fan of artwork in comic books. It, I, I love, I love comic stories, but there's something about a story could actually be pretty average, but if the artwork is incredible, I almost don't care because I, you yeah. can just, you can look at every panel as a painting, and it was funny we. Um, you would have just listened to on Monday. And if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. Me and Chris sat down and interviewed the bounty hunters, writer, Ethan Sachs. And one of the things that he said, which I absolutely loved is um, an artist could cover up a bad writer, but a writer can't cover up a bad artist. And that is a hundred percent true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you the can... art is out there. The art is, ex- the art is exposed. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I've I've been reading um, a lot of uh, a lot of Moon Knight recently from his sort of like the the eighties era of Moon Knight, and the artist on that is Bill Bill Sienkiewicz, who's an incredible artist. And there's some of the stories where like the story itself isn't actually all for me because it's a slightly different era of Moon Knight, but the artwork, just every panel is a painting, and I yeah. think that's that's what we get in a lot of Star Wars comics over the years is really yeah. good artwork not all of them some of them the artwork didn't wasn't great but this Chewbacca one is something special in in terms of the artwork it really really is yeah yeah agreed agreed and you know I, I'm not the world's biggest comic book aficionado I'm not you know um as I said earlier I got you know I have a terrible memory from remembering who's written who's drawn what but um th- th- this is beautiful beautiful to look at and so crisp and clean, you know. Mm. Um, the, the, there's with nice, wide, well-defined white spaces, borders between panels. Mm. It's all you know. I kind of, I get, I kind of guess, I get the sense that they thought, okay, well, we've got a real job to do in terms of visual storytelling. The visuals really have to carry a lot of a lot of what's going on here. It needs to be really clear what's yeah. happening. Yeah. You know, so they they don't get too fancy with the panel sequencing. You know, there, there are some pages that are literally just so don't you get two pages side by side a spread, um, and the panels are exactly the same mm-hmm. uh, dimensions on each page, perfectly balanced one for one. You know, and it just makes for a really nice, neat, crisp, clean reading experience. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, love it. Absolutely love it. All, all I'm all I'm now thinking about is that Chewbacca lying on the flowers panel. If I could get that framed, I know. That, wall, it, it, yeah. Oh my god, I would pay well, so much is, money. That, that, that exists, right? I mean, Noto has Surely. that somewhere. Surely, you know, that, yeah. I mean, I, if you were him, you would keep it. Yeah. Um, but um, oh yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love a print of that on my mm. wall. It's mm. amazing, stunning. It, it, it's it's it is one of those few single panels of Star Wars comics that I, I would happily have framed on my wall. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. All right, I and mean, we've been talking for nearly an hour already. So before we wrap up, <laughs> before we wrap up about a five issue miniseries uh, about a non-verbal character, um, 
Before we wrap up, final thoughts then, Dan, on the Chewbacca miniseries. I'm going to be honest, I never thought we would get an entire hour out of the Chewbacca miniseries, but we have. So, I mean, that's yeah. like that's credit to this actually being a pretty damn good miniseries. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, the artwork is, is stunning. Um, I think this has probably been one of those cases. I don't know if it's just when I talk to you about things, Johnny, but I've sort of found myself liking it more the more I talk to you, which happened mm. about happened about the Eye of Darkness. <laughs> I feel like this just happens when me and you chat a moving about target. Yeah, exactly. Did, did, did it work for the holiday special? No, it didn't work for the holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this is like this is definitely up there, um, sort of amongst the sort of the pretty damn good tier of of Star Wars miniseries. Um, as I say, it's it's not quite as good as the the Landos and the Sarnastaruses, but that that doesn't mean it's bad in any way. I think it's it's if you're looking to learn a hundred new things about Chewbacca, you won't. But if you want to have, if you want to look at some incredible artwork and learn three or four new things about Chewbacca, um, I think it's a good fun time. Yeah, I, I couldn't put it any better myself. Um, I've, I loved it in 2016 when I first read it, and I've only loved it more the more I've reread it. Not not least because I, over the years, have realised what's actually going on in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's completely changed my whole perspective. Is that I just now understand the ending, and I'm like, damn, that's good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Canon Catch-Up. Dan, why don't you let the folk listening know where they can find you? If, if this somehow so happens to be their first time listening to you on the Star Wars The Community Podcast. Uh, yeah, uh, on Instagram at Vader's Castle Library. Um, on this podcast quite a bit. Um, the, the, the main thing I'll plug is it if you haven't listened to mine and Chris's Comics Roundup special interview with Ethan Sachs, um, go listen to it. If you like comics, mm-hmm. you'll really enjoy it. Ethan Sachs is lovely. Oh, yeah. he's, he's a really interesting guy. And he basically just broke down his entire creative process for writing the Bounty Hunter series. And there's some really, really interesting um, juicy tidbits in there. Um, so that's all I've got to plug. Um, can and catch up. What are we doing next on Can and Catch Up, Johnny? C-3PO, maybe? <laughs> I, I believe it's probably C-3PO, the Phantom Limb. Yeah, that one shot. <laughs> I, I, was, I mean, to be honest, I think if me and Chris talk about it, we'll, we'll get a good 20 minutes in. I think if me and Johnny talk about it, we could end up getting another hour out of a one issue. Bring it on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about good art today. I mean, I've, I've got I've got thoughts about that C-3PO one shot, and um, not not all of them are kind. That said, I do quite like the story. Mm. And of course, Canon Catch-Up isn't the only episode that we've got next week. Next week, we've actually got three episodes for you. I'll be back on Monday with another of our occasional special episodes, chatting to academics and authors who write about Star Wars. Uh, I'll be talking to two folks from different disciplines about the surprising shared thematics and experiences between Star Wars and Harry Potter, both in story terms and indeed as sort of cultural phenomena. Um, Canon Catch-Up that we mentioned already. That'll be back on Wednesday next week. Uh, and then Friday next week, Legends Library will be back. 
and I'll be talking to Alex and Jesse about the last two story arcs in John Jackson Miller's very good, if tragically short-lived, comic series Night Errant. Uh, I'm still recovering from the fact that John Jackson Miller tweeted about uh, the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping you said loads of nice things about it, because he's probably listened to it. <laughs> well, well we, we did, because we loved it, and uh, even better, we, we had um, Jesse and, and Alex uh, both on board, dropping gold all over the place. Um, <laughs> so that, that's good. It, it wasn't all on me. So lots to look forward to next week. Uh, and of course, you can find me at journals of, as at Journals of the Wills on Instagram and Threads. And you can reach out to the whole podcast team on all the usual social media channels. And there you're looking for at SWBC podcast and of course keep those pods set to subscribe for all of the above and if you like the podcast please do consider leaving a nice five star review those things really help to remind the old algorithms to keep recommending us to folk looking for their new favorite star wars podcast i think that's going to do it for today all that remains is to say goodbye for this episode so it's a goodbye from dan (laughs) and it's a goodbye from me thanks for listening folks may the force be with you and we'll catch you next time on the star wars book community podcast (laughs) oh god